I'm Steve. I'm Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Bri- I am Brian. Be serious about it. Come on. Come on. I'm Brian. All right. Uh, <laughs> tune tune in after the episode to see what, <laughs> why we're so... Uh, what crazy things we got up to this time. <laughs> we're ruined. Okay. <laughs> so, before we... <laughs> <laughs> this this email is going to take forever because I'm looking at it and it's like somebody's yeah. dissertation is it looks like, sitting on the it looks like half oh a yeah ju- yeah it looks like some, oh yeah who like are they mad at <laughs> <laughs> looks yeah. like actually uh, we're going to forego what's on our horizon Dan how long did it take you to write that I have a novella here <laughs> couple quick announcements oh, before we go stapled. on two pager three ah oh. <laughs> uh, first off make sure you check out the interview episodes I posted up. Um, those are interviews from a convention that I went to. I met some pretty cool gaming artisans. Um, one of them was uh, Renaissance period games for sale and such. What's, what's this for? Dragon Con? Or? Uh, this was from Archon. Or yeah, from Archon. Oh, other stuff from Archon. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still have. I still had some more. Oh, okay. Some who made jewelry and stuff out of game pieces, like Scrabble pieces. And How old was you? Uh, probably uh, of age. I, I hate to say yes very uh, yeah. all right. of my, age my sister makes jewelry and she goes to she's had like a regular thing of going to archon now she's cool. been there for like the past three years maybe it was steve's sister and no it wasn't her because she doesn't use like dice and stuff okay she went to dragon con too i think cool yeah um, i forget that you have family you have kid <laughs> in the world it doesn't make any sense to me either. <laughs> <laughs> Steve is just like that wandering drifter. He never tells who, like, any stories yeah, about yeah, any of his family. We've never seen any of them. I don't know where they live. I saw Steve's dad one time. And, and uh, I lived with him for did, a year. Did you, did you get like some black and white footage of him walking through the forest really He was slowly? the tall man. <laughs> slender man. Tall man and slender man are two Ta- different men. Yep. That's completely Boy. different. That's, That's tall, man. tall man. Yeah. All right. All right. Also, there's another interview about a a woman from uh, Gingy Girls is the name of the company, and she sandblasts custom images on coffee mugs and beer steins and wine glasses. That's pretty cool. Actually, really, really cool. She had quite a bit of stuff uh, from you know comic books and other geekery. So uh, be sure to check out those interviews if you've got any. If you still need to buy any presents for any of the geeks in your life, I'm sure you'll find something. Uh, for more information, you can check the show notes on those episodes. All right. Also, I mentioned before that uh, Eric from Metagamers Anonymous has a charity going on for the RPG Podcaster Charity Drive. Uh, make sure to check that out. Follow the link on my page. It'll take you to the page where you go to donate. It's He's supporting, once again, the... Uh, Kids who can't read. Center for 34-year-olds who have no memory. It seriously is that, though, isn't it? It's something. I don't remember what it's called. Reading. He's he's supporting a a local charity for the benefit of kids with dyslexia dyslexia and such reading disorders. Um, Dyslexia. That's right. With that, let's take a quick break. Come back. We've got an email from a listener. All right, welcome back. Okay, so um, Brian, you weren't here when we read this email. This was the email that Mac and uh, Steve and I fielded uh, about the guy who had... Uh, oh, the subject gotta... is follow-up to episode 33, Ralph Wiggum. Oh, we've, yeah. We've okay. got a response. This guy's name is Steve, here, right? We have a response. What's that? This guy's name is Steve, right? No, uh, no his not. friend's name was Steve, and we made him change it because that was going to get confusing. Yeah, and then you had to say Ralph Wiggum, yes, the whole thing, <laughs> yes, every time. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yes. All right. I listen to the podcast. Good job. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for responding to my email on the show. And as a quick apology slash warning, this email's going to be a bit long. I wanted <laughs> to write back and let you all know what ended up happening, as well as giving you guys a little more context to the whole situation. Well, not long after I sent my email asking for advice, the group and I met for lunch and the meltdown between Ralph Wiggum and I happened. <laughs> like, 
most fights of this nature, nothing was really resolved while people's feelings were hurt. In order to go further, I have to introduce my closest friend, uh, quote-unquote, Homer. (laughs) 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 As I uh, mentioned, I'm the primary GM of our group, but Homer also GM'd for us and is the only other person with experience running games. On top of that, he's a friend when it comes to the crunch mechanics, so I rely on his thoughts heavily when making decisions that require a more mathematical touch. One thing that this group brought to light was that I favor Homer's opinion over everyone else's. They claimed that if it ever came down to a decision between Homer and the rest of the group, I would always side with Homer and brush aside everyone else. After some introspection, I have to begrudgingly admit that what they said was true. Um, That's kind of a problem. But not something... The players harboring resentment for your uh, partiality. <laughs> your bromance with Homer. Uh, but I, I would think that that's one that's easily reconcilable. Yeah. I mean, either you start listening to them some or you just start doing everything yourself. Yeah, I guess so. I, I think an appeal to autonomy and authority of the DM, which would justify uh, that you can tr- trust whoever's opinion you freaking want to, would also like actually end in that you should just make all the decisions yourself. All right. The reason the original fight, the 10-point buy incident, got so heated in the first place was due to a fact that I was changing a lot of the character creation parameters around. At first, it was a 15-point buy game, in addition with allowing players to use Paizo's race-building rules so everyone could have creative control over their characters. Tapped at 12 race points. Homer had found that it was extremely easy to game the system and advised that I fix it before the campaign began, which I did. While this was happening, I wanted to make it a more lower-powered game than what we were used to, hence the 10-point buy. Ralph Wiggum complained that most of the group was nearly finished with their characters or were already done, and that is when the shit hit the fan. I admitted that these changes were big, but I had made it known to the group a full week before our first session began, so I felt that I was within my rights as a GM. What's their problem? They're having, they're being forced to adjust to this new edition of The problem was uh, Ralph Wiggum said that the game was underpowered and that he had rallied other players against the GM who wanted to play a lower-powered game. And this has to do with the, 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 the tweaking of how he was... Right. How? What, what, what we're doing here is he's clearing up some of the questions that we had okay, about, about the, the situation. Of, yeah. yeah. And uh, give us a little bit more of a story okay, behind it. keep going. Ralph Wiggum argued that the vision of his character had to be altered to the changes in character creation. Granted, I felt bad for making this call, but getting angry when you had a full week's notice just didn't make any sense to me. Let's just stop there for a second. Having a week's notice, like how long before the campaign starts do you guys start building your characters? Well, this one doesn't, have anything, minutes. To, this one doesn't <laughs> have anything to do with Five that. Five minutes. The problem is that Ralph Wiggum wants to play this one particular character. And wasn't willing to bend it to... If the DM had decided to play a completely different system, he would be even more screwed and even more despondent. That's a good point. You know my feelings about these kind of emails, stuff like that. I'm immediately going to call everyone a baby and a crier. (laughs) So this seems like people are taking, like... Something so minimal, like way too serious. Well, the the point of the game is to have fun. You mean not the DM in this game, right? Well, the DM... Seems pretty invested in it, which he's is he's a little cool. butthurt about, yeah, you know, needing to do it exactly his way, and he wants everybody to go along with it, right? Him. Which is cool because, like, Cause you know, he kind of get to do that, right? Yeah, that's kind, kind of, of his job, job but comes like with the gig, and yeah. like it's cool. Like the more effort and work this dude puts into his campaign, the more enjoyment his players are getting out. But dude, when like somebody's like, "Hey, we're playing D and D, we're starting a new campaign. This is my idea. Okay, come up with a character concept. Okay, and if he's like, "Oh, well, hey." This is the new thing, so in a week, bring a character like this. I'm like, cool, I have a million thousand other characters I could play. Who Rather cares? Than just all over that dude. Yeah. 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 It sounds like a bunch of babies. It's one guy. One guy. It's, it's one guy rallying. Oh, I new thought there players. was like other people. The, like, the other was, people are kind of going, hey, maybe you should, you know, it's the one other of those. people Who were can, new. Can you just like play? Like, the other people were new players. Uh, so Ralph. Okay, so for a new player game, you say this is how you make characters. If you don't want to do it yourself, here's some pre-made characters. So Ralph Wiggum was kind of rabble rousing a little bit. Yeah, I can see. Okay, back to the email. Now Ralph Wiggum has always been a weaker role player compared to everyone else in the group, even by his own account. But he does very well when it comes to crunch. As someone who's played a lot of those games, it doesn't bother me if a player's not adept at role playing. 
I only want them to be present and invested in the game. Mac, you have something? Crunch, we're talking about power gaming. He was Crunch, he used that in the context me- of numbers. Yeah, mechanics. Yeah, yeah okay. we're talking about uh, the mechanics, which to me, because the GM ex- was was altering the base concept upon which you built the mechanics of your he's character. He's thrown off the guy's whole. He's thrown off the guy's whole game because he's not a very strong role. Dan, what is the first sentence in every role playing game book? Or it's in at least in the first paragraph of every one. Uh, this is all optional? Yes. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. It's all that matters. Yeah. Um, let's see here. From a GM perspective, one of his habits that's always bugged me was his insistence that I inform everyone when I'm breaking the rules. In the heat of the moment, you simply can't. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got to go. Stop reading the email. We know what the problem is. <clears throat> that's That's meta. Right, like he's trying to predict Here, interactions let me based on. Yeah, you know, should the go play World of Warcraft. Let me finish like, this. Get out of here. Let me finish uh, this agreed. one paragraph here. Uh, inform everyone when I'm breaking the rules. In the heat of the moment, you simply can't or even shouldn't do that. I'm more uh, than agreed. willing to divulge Never that I had bent a rule here or there, but this insistence has always rubbed me the wrong way by making me feel that I was always having to answer to the players when it isn't always necessary. I believe that when you're learning a new system, you should play the rules as written, but because both of us are veterans of 3.5 Pathfinder, I just don't get it. I okay. have been that guy. First of all... What guy? I have been the guy who is trying to force a DM, a Brian in this case, to keep telling me what he's doing, what he's rolling, what the modifiers are, and like, and it's not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, like, What you're doing is you're trying to beat the game. Which you shouldn't really do. Like that's not a way to have fun. It's 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 an it's an interesting exercise to sit down with a bunch of books and see if you can make a thing that's going to hit really hard and right. then get into a situation in which you can hit really hard. And if anybody throws a screwball your way, suddenly all that work you've done all the time you put into it sucks. I, I kind of envision power gamers like they're building a, a a big elaborate Rube Goldberg machine that turns out to be their character. My dervish was terrible. <laughs> the 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 inverse. Of I that. feel like they should all just make this dude Ralph Wiggum's DM and then shit all over him. And see how he. Yeah. Likes it. I don't think like, that's constructive at all. No, but like he it's, needs it's to understand what he's campaign. doing to him. Like, I think that was the advice we gave him before: was to play play a lighter system, less mechanically involved, and and just no, take a like, you take can a play take a session off and way. try that. Like, well, it needs to be. I, I think he can switch the tone and get everybody thinking in a different direction if he tries a little comedy. But you have to—I don't know how you do that in character creation. You know, he's having a part. He's having problems before they're even in a fucking campaign. Yeah, you haven't even, haven't even built the character. I yet. understand yeah. breakups are hard, but <laughs> sometimes they got to get done. I mean, you can go take Homer, your bro, man, guy, maybe, and go play a two-man campaign. It's just as fun. I like, think maybe the question is: Ralph Wiggum is a veteran of. Uh, I know. I can picture this neck says. beard. I, I can. I know <laughs> However, exactly. Ouch! I'm wondering. <laughs> What else has he played? Has he ever played? Oh, the he's Ghost played Busters Warhammer. RPG? He's played. Has he ever played? Uh, has, has he ever played? Uh, uh, he's he thinks fourth edition is crap. Um, he um, he may not. I mean, that's a pretty strong mechanical game. Yeah, but he doesn't like it because of this rule and this rule. So it's a shitty system. Like, <laughs> it's really hard to power game. Personally, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> maybe he hasn't played Fiasco. Maybe he hasn't played Savage Worlds. Maybe you need to go find a download of of GURPS tune and sit down and play some nineteen seventies uh, Looney Tunes characters and just sit down and have fun for a week and just see what happens. There's two types of people in the world: those who play Monopoly to the bitter end, and those who get up when it's two of you and it's just going to go back and forth forever. <laughs> Next paragraph. This is the kind of guy that you should. Ask him if he wants to play diplomacy, and then just have everyone like just shit on him. <laughs> yeah. Ruin, ruin that friendship. It's taken longer to admit, but I'm just not a crunch-based GM. I like the narrative aspect of role playing far more than the crunch mechanics because That's of what it is. <laughs> well, it's a it's a two different games now. Because of this, I have come out to my group that I won't be running any more Pathfinder games in the future. I have put our pirate campaign which was also Pathfinder base, on hiatus. But this doesn't mean I don't want to GM other games in the near future. I'll try to address whether or not the players have any reason not to trust me. Uh, that was one of the questions we asked, was have you given any reasons for them not to trust you? Or is it just Ralph Wiggum rabble-rousing? I thought that I was always fair by my players and even felt like I don't get as much respect as Homer does when he's GMing. I've never wiped out a party in a fight. I've always wanted to. That's weird. Homer GMs for them? 
Uh, he's the and other he's GM. been and he's been deferring to him on some of his own GM things, and they have a problem with that. Yes. If I was going to ask somebody at the table, I would ask the other GM. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right. Um, nor have I done any large-scale backstabbing in-game for fear of them becoming frustrated with me because they can't get their way. Walking on eggshells. Every Ever since I started listening to the RPG podcasts, I've tried my best to follow the yes-but rule. The only thing I can think of that might lead to a lack of trust is my poor crunch knowledge. That's, but even so, matter, I yeah. always try to give the players the advantage in most situations. I don't know. I just feel like this is easy to me. This this guy's. A, I mean, like this is this, this guy is, just needs to take a break from gaming for a while. This is figure us out what he when likes we were playing. in like middle school. Yes, when our when we had too much ownership <clears throat> of our characters, we were really serious about power gaming. Kill him a bunch. Kill him a bunch of times. Yeah, just make not him come just up him, with a new character. Well, Kill him a bunch. Maybe, maybe that's not a maybe that's not a thing. Maybe they're brilliant strategists, and he's not, and he's trying to tell a story. <laughs> you don't have to be a brilliant matter. strategist <laughs> to be a DM and be like, "There's a dragon." <laughs> if they're brilliant well, strategists, shit you on just you. Up, like <laughs> that's, this is legit. If they're brilliant strategists, you just up your CL. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, there is no wrong way to have fun. Sometimes, and I know this is easy to say because I'm surrounded by. Great gamers. Uh, sometimes people also just need to have different. <laughs> right. Also, you guys at the table. Uh, people just need to have find a different group, and because they want to have a different type of fun. That said, I personally know that there's a way to entertain the the Crunch Monster Rules Monkey and the Thespian in the same game. You just kind of have to balance those encounters. Make sure that the you're doing the bookwork. You're doing your due diligence to challenge the party mechanically, but also try to fit that within the scope of an intriguing story that you're trying to tell. Start adding roleplay. I feel like yeah, that's cool. I also feel like D and D works best when the DM knows everything and the players know nothing. Like know nothing about how the game works or anything like that. And all they're doing is playing a game. And like, oh, we're gonna tell the story. I'm this guy, and that's like a, things are happening. Point. Yeah, and like things are just happening. And then like when I do stuff, things happen, and they tell me to roll this dice, and things happen. Pretty much, I've like, become an advocate for things like players not rolling their own dice. We've so done, then, we've talked about this. So then, what about um, something as simple as you're talking about running a pirates campaign? Maybe you're in a far off land where ogres aren't called ogres; they're called something else. So they're not as easily identifiable to the mechanics monkey who knows the players, the, the monster manual backwards and forwards. It's just a big dude with gray skin who is, is pounding a, a, a club on the ground. Getting away from player knowledge, uh, from player metagame knowledge is one thing. The other problem that we have here with reconciling this with Brian's, you know, ideal scenario is that, uh, our, 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 uh, listener doesn't have perfect knowledge. Right, he, but he, that's fine. He lacks I crunch think. knowledge, and he has to sometimes ask defer to at Homer. the table. Make it up. Asks, that's the best rule in DMing. I agree yeah. with that. Like we were talking about that. Like you could say that you can do whatever you want, which means that you can ask this guy if you want. But what it really should be is you need to just make a call. You need to get a feel for making a hot call. Like yeah, uh, yeah. Just the and whole then if point of D and D is all fantasy, yeah. it's all in your mind, it's all make believe, all goofiness anyway. Make so the just call make on the it table. up. Yeah, just make like, the call on the table, and if there's if it's not. Um, the direct character death of somebody at the table, then your players can wait till after yeah. the game to talk about the specific mechanic that you were Figure out about. what you want to do in the game, like while you're playing the game, and then just start rolling dice randomly behind your DM screen. Just don't do, don't even say what, and then just like, and I sometimes just roll dice to like oh, think for a second. Ralph Wiggum will lose And then his just shit. be like, and just be like, I'll just roll <laughs> yeah. the dice and just be like, okay, you hit for 15 damage from an arrow from the tree. You just like roll that's the a, yeah. That's a good way to train that player too. If you just start rolling a bunch behind your screen, yeah. what was that he's for? gonna he's gonna lose his shit. It's gonna be for nothing, and you're gonna train him to stop like trying being so yeah. temperamental, trying to stop understanding every interaction. The, I mean, what you guys are talking about is pretty much how I feel about the situation. Although I think it might be a little bit more aggressive than I would than I would handle it. I the think other thing I would, I would go do... a more roundabout way and say, okay, here's how we're gonna do this. I do not have perfect knowledge of the rules of the book. If there's something applied that I ask, that I ask somebody at the table, hey, you know what? Maybe you ask Ralph Wiggum every once in a while instead don't of Homer. Don't show weakness, though. Don't let him. You win. don't have to show I weakness. Mean, Maybe you ask Ralph Wiggum what the grapple rules is. I mean, instead you can, of I think you just, time to time. I think you just totally change the. Uh, well, if he's making a grapple character and all this stuff, 
He should know you the should rules. expect him to know all the grapple rules. Absolutely. But I think the real solution to this is to pick a different system for a sec. He's already set aside the campaign. Right. Pick a different system, something lighter, something neither of you know. Savage World would be good. And maybe. run something in a lighter tone. All right, Fias- what I actually think Fiasco would be great. What do we say right. we get together and we either send... Uh, the uh, the new Star Wars game would be kind yes, of that, that is a oh, great idea because the the dice uh, pretty really, much like play the game for really mechanicy though yeah yeah but what it's not say? that difficult like it's, it's not it's, yeah. it's, it's not a very it's core it's, it's going to power game it you can't really power game it though. no because I, all that you I've looked at that talent tree a lot you can power game the hell out of that game uh, what do you say we get together and we send uh, the grumpy GM here uh, a copy of Savage Worlds Explorers Edition. Or fiasco, whichever he chooses. Sounds good to me. Sure, we'll send it to him, yeah. and then you can play it, and you can let us know what you, what you came up with. Cool. Uh, let me finish this thing here real quick. To wrap things up, Homer is now running a Pathfinder game for us, and I've enjoyed my time as a PC away from the GM screen. At the same time, I've been developing a horror mystery one shot using the Fate Accelerated rules to give everyone a taste of different system. For future use, I've also picked up Savage Worlds. Uh, fail. You're getting <laughs> fiasco. <laughs> I think you've made your choice. Call of Cthulhu, Dread, and Dungeon World. Those are all great, uh, great this systems. Kept, this dude's balling. Indeed. Sounds like he knows yeah. what he's doing. As for Ralph Wiggum and I, we've settled our differences. I did not sleep oh, wow. with his girlfriend, Steve. <laughs> no, that was Mac. That was Mac's that was suggestion. Yeah. Established dominance. After one more serious talk, and hopefully things will remain smooth in the future. Thanks again for the words of advice, and if you have anything else to say on the topic, feel free to send it my way. Keep on keeping on, the Grumpy GM. P.S. Notdan at gmail.com. It sounds strange. Like, <laughs> I wish I could watch. Yeah, me too. Like, walk okay, around so the table and not send anything. you an iPhone. Will you, <laughs> will you sneak it <laughs> recording? Like, not say anything. Just watch their group play for a while and okay. see, like, the dynamic between them that's making this guy like want to question I, something that he shouldn't wonder, even care about. Really. Here's the one thing I wonder is now is Ralph Wiggum hassling Homer? Like Yeah, th- that's what I was going to bring up is like, yeah, you said you reconciled, you guys are cool and everything, but you watch out because those kind of the I'm just saying those kind of gamers will rear their ugly heads. Oh yeah, this again. is like, the this is the okay fine. I'm and in trouble. He, People he are plays mad in at your me. Campaign yeah. And he's going to shit all over you when he gets a chance. So uh, Grumpy GM's getting a copy of Fiasco, courtesy of the Carpe GM Gamecast. Sweet. Sometime Tell me after, how it is. I've still never played it. Sometime after this uh, drops, we're on it, man. We will We will make that happen. Uh, do send us another email and let us know what's going on. I'd love to hear how this uh, finishes out and, and what you think of uh, running different systems with this group and how that worked out. <laughs> with that, let's take a quick break and come back to our topic. And we're back. All right, so it's the Christmas season uh, here in here in the USA. Oh, can I bring up a little Christmas thing first? Sure. Merry Christmas, Brian. Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> um, but I work in a Sam's Club most of the times now. They got Christmas movies on, right? Right. And I've never seen this movie called Polar Express. Yeah. Do you have it? No, and it's on. Is it creepy? All the time. It is the Tom most, Hanks Santa Claus. It is the most terrifying yeah it's yeah. pretty like it yeah. is like oh it I, is i don't but the crazy thing is i've never i've only seen like you know i've, I've seen the whole movie all together but like it's most times me just like staring at the screen for five or ten minutes and there's no sound so i just have to like piece together what's going on it's <laughs> so it's like cthulhu oh my like, dude there's like <laughs> i'm like, just trying to picture that i movie. haven't seen it what these the kids are, are like it, in like this it, psychopathic trap like murder train where like they go on these weird adventures and like there's like ice getting destroyed and these like weird disappearing hobo that like is like a rapist looking at it from brian's perspective here with no sound you don't actually want to know what's going on the animation is kind of that weird it's the early 2000s beowulf yes yes it's so weird and then they like get to christmas town and like steven tyler is there (laughs) and he's like singing something about christmas and i'm like 
And then they're in like this weird contraption where it looks like it like lo- looks like the thing from the beginning of Blade, where like you kill somebody and the blood <laughs> drains everywhere. Yeah, I'm like, this is like Santa is a psychopath. Like, I don't even know. And like, I guess Tom Hanks is like a weird pedophile that picks up people on a train. Like, so my my Mr. Conductor, yeah. my daughter would not. Nightmare Before Christmas was horrifying mm-hmm. to her. Like if we were playing Seen It and a clip from Nightmare Before Christmas came on, she'd leave the room and whatnot. <laughs> So she's rectified that. She's fine with that now, but she still won't watch Polar Express. <laughs> remember, remember, uh, jeez. Seen it. Was there a scene at Marvel edition? Yeah, we had it. Remember we, we had played it in my I basement? Played, yeah. yeah. And I would be like, when the anagrams came on, I'd be like, oh, it's Juggernaut in like two seconds. Yeah. And I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, Steve, have you played this game? You memorized all the questions. Yeah. He plays a lot yeah. of, he, he, he loves the scrambles. You guys, you guys have never went to the end of the disc where you see the credits and it's, uh, all the, the, the tertiary challenges were written by Steve Young. Yeah, oh, yeah. it is. <laughs> Steve like comes in with like his seen it, like, who t-shirt. watches the credits? Yeah. I'm just- Okay, so yeah. what I was uh, what what I was wanted to talk to you guys about was uh, last year we figured out ways to use Santa Claus in our games, and that went into some crazy dark places. Speaking of crazy dark, and the Krampus, the, the Krampus, Krampus, yeah, and we wound up. I think we had a hobo Santa Claus for a while. Well, yeah, he was like Mad we, Max. And, we had yeah. uh, the Tooth Fairy hanging people upside down and <laughs> bleeding them out. We had all kinds of stuff Jesus. going on. It was crazy. Uh, so uh, Christmas. If, if you want that kind of stuff, do check out last year's Christmas edition. Uh, that was uh, of the Carpe Diem Gamecast. That was uh, kind of a trip. This time, I want to examine Christmas from a more meta perspective. In that, uh, it, it's kind of become an institution for most of the USA. Anyway, the holiday as we know it now has started out with more of a religious basis and has went to largely commercial. Buy uh, Coca Cola. Yeah largely commercial uh, products. And I think that mostly the commercialization of Christmas kind of happened in the early Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. ad- See that polar bear? No, it was before. They, it was Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Give him a Coke. The, the, the year 10 CC. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of become a, a, a whole different monster now. All the stores just open on Thanksgiving night now. Yeah, you can it, just like... It, Skip Thanksgiving dinner and go shopping. Shopping has <laughs> become, it's got nothing to do with Christmas. Shopping has a, become it's like Christmas season shopping. But you have to think: Would Christmas be this? Like, would all that stuff be going on if it wasn't for the idea that you're giving gifts at Christmas? All these stores that are opening and all the the, the commercialization of it is because there's a dollar to be made there. Chris, so, Christmas was already a, a holiday. Christmas already had all kinds of. Yule logs, Christmas trees, Absolutely. all that already right. existed. Just the gift giving and right. Santa Claus is kind of new. Yeah. Now, the gift giving isn't even really and new. And Santa, Santa Claus isn't Claus even is really new. that new, just the yeah. present iteration of Santa Claus. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is where we're at now, where we've been for a hundred years or so. The traditions almost. have been very much standardized, though, and I think that yeah. has more to do with television than it has to do with anything. Yeah, advertising in point. general than it has to do with anything else. Good point. Well, what I wanted to talk about was the utilization of traditions and festivals and celebrations in your games to bring life to your campaign world or to use them as story devices in your games as a GM. So I I guess, I guess what I'm getting at there is let's just take Christmas for example. And if Coca-Cola hadn't adopted this image of Santa Claus, what would the holiday be right now? If it hadn't become the cash cow that it was, would it still be a primarily religious holiday or would it be the commercial juggernaut that it is today? And that, I think, is due to the tradition of giving gifts in, at Christmas and whatnot. Now, if you apply that to your game, let's say uh, medieval, let's say you're playing D&D. You want to you wanna have a celebration, celebration you're going to do like a harvest festival or something. The town Midwin- you're in. It's midwinter festival. I was just anything. Oh, Mid- anything. All right. Yeah, I'm just saying anything. A midwinter festival, that's fine too. Now, why why are they having that festival? What's the what's the basis behind it? You're trying to do world building for this? Yeah, I'm just trying to use utilize not necessarily world building, but more like town building at this stage. Okay. At this level. It seemed like you wanted to talk about tradition building and having things going on in 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 settings and in, in NPC lives. Yep. Outside of player interactions. And even behind the traditions. What like, your lead in just sounded like you wanted to talk about the history of how a holiday is created. Um, no, not necessarily, 
but maybe the why. Maybe there's an ulterior motive for ballooning a holiday up to the standards where Christmas is now, even. Uh, so let's say we're having like a harvest festival of some sort. Now, the harvest festival, why would you have it? Because people don't have to work in the fields. Because uh, they just had a good harvest. They're celebrating it. They're thankful for the harvest that they that they just pulled out of the fields. I think there's always got to be an element of reality, too. Like, the reason you have a harvest festival is because you have to eat some of what you just harvested because you can't store it all. Yeah. Right, because you can't store it through the winter and whatnot. Yeah. Now, behind the scenes, uh, maybe the Thieves Guild sees this as a fantastic time to to send some guys out in the Harvest Festival. Uh, you know, that's maybe an adventure hook that you throw in there. Also, well, oh, Harvest Time is always tax time in, yeah. in, in agricultural feudalism. Perfect. It's when you, you got to pay your tithe. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, it also could be, I mean, if you want to go a little bit more nefarious, maybe the Harvest Festival is promoted by the magistrate or whatever to kind of winnow down some of the stores before Christmas so that the people are more reliant on the crown in the area for food stores mm. and such. Um, any other ideas of reasons to use, uh, ways to use holidays as plot points? Festivals are always a way to change a town. Yeah. If you've been in town for a while and you know where people live and you know their general day-to-day, festival day is the day where, or, or whatever, you know, the, the week that it's going on or whatever is the thing where random other people are going to be in town, shops are going to go up, everybody's schedule is going to change, all their behaviors are going to change. Right. You know, you, you can introduce suddenly new traditions because they're linked to a time of year or whatever. Right. It's kind of like, I don't know, like Halloween where like, oh, everybody's supposed to look like a monster. Yeah, people are dressing up like stuff. Yeah. Houses are all decorated. Right. There are parades, you know, then stuff that doesn't happen other times of the year. It's, it's always a big toss up. You know, it, it, it's a good way to change things. Yeah. That's a good a good point, too, is like Halloween, everybody's supposed to look scary and stuff. You can turn it uh, into it turns like, everything on its head. Yeah. You can turn it into like a... Uh, like a Monsters Among Us kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Christmas, everyone's supposed to be gregarious, and it's this never happens to my family, but you're supposed to, you know, everybody's supposed to have the Christmas spirit and be nice and everything. Right. You're, you, you, everybody's got, like, masks on and stuff. There's always that classic, like, find out who the person is who is everybody's wearing the same mask or right. so it turns into that like eyes wide shut scenario you know <laughs> and you mentioned you mentioned uh it's 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 very he- a holiday is very heavy setting right um you mentioned thieves guilds and uh, harvest festival like scrooge in the middle of christmas like absolutely there, there, yeah. there's a, there's an, uh, an opportunity to draw some really harsh contrast by putting everybody in the same mood doing the same things yeah and anyone except for the other couple of guys. going against it or taking advantage of it or or just, you know, bah humbug. Jew at Christmas, you know, like right. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> they Tyler. Have, they have a nice dinner and they go to the movies. It's <laughs> not the worst day. All right. Um. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I'm talking about: is taking the idea of a festival or a celebration such as Christmas and using it to illustrate that the uh, town that your players happen to inhabit right now uh, exists without them. That they're, the people have things to do, whether the PCs are there or not. They have their own lives, their own uh, ways of going about things, their own traditions. And in most cases, I think the PCs are intruding on that. In most cases. Or they're trying to help support it or take advantage of it. Their PCs kind of aren't part of that tradition in most cases, unless this happens to be a home base where they stay and they see this tradition year-round. I think that things like holidays feed into a, a like a bigger manipulation that you can do, especially in the new campaign building stuff. But but just in general, um, of like what I would call an NPC calendar, that like you can have a calendar of things that it's going to happen in an NPC world, that, with or without the PCs, with or without the PCs, right? That they can randomly encounter these things, or if they stay in an area, these things are going to randomly change. Like not randomly, but you know, fixedly and without foreknowledge by the part of the, on the part of the PCs, or possibly with you know, right. you know what I mean. I think actually a really good tool for doing something like this is to actually whip out a calendar and start writing stuff down. Right. I mean, you'd obviously have to tailor that to most campaign yeah. settings. Will have some sort of a, a layout for a calendar that you can kind of co-op the point is actually looking at one of these and and reading the things that are on it and trying to use those or adding to it or making your own yeah right or or perhaps you know uh, uh, harvest festival's been canceled this year what's that do to your town what does that do to um devil's night or just a bad you know pestilence 
<laughs> you know, just a bad, bad year. What does that do to your town over the winter? Oh, there's a way to change a town. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, roll a plague in. Yeah. Have the city guard, like, shutting up the gates and not letting anybody out and have fun living in Plagueville. Maybe the PCs were here in a previous, uh, in a previous session. They were here a year ago for the midwinter festival and they return now and the doors are locked up and there's piles of bodies outside the gates. You know, what's happening? Would Not you- that your PCs are going to be plague doctors and running there and trying to figure out the cure. But what if perhaps this particular plague isn't a natural occurring thing? Maybe this is the work of the lich out in the outskirts, the woods, or in the caves in the mountain base. Would you still consider it like a festival or a holiday or something like this where it's like a secret festival or something like that? Where Absolutely. It's, where it's well, where it's like more nefarious, where like we have to sacrifice a virgin every blood moon. Sure, to, maybe that's the underbelly of like, your, your Halloween well, Dia, Dia de los Muertos As a matter of fact, on Halloween in Germany, even for hundreds of years after that... Geez, maybe even a thousand years after, uh, 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 thousands of years <laughs> before the dawn of time. I so wanted Weaver. to say at the end of that email, you should have gotten a snack. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, even, even a thousand years after Germany became largely Christian and, and a couple hundred years after it had been conquered by the Holy Roman Empire, they were still doing pagan sacrifices on Halloween. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just in case, like they would get together and there'd be the one, you know, druid slash witch who was still around and they'd, they'd go do that. And then the rest of the year, they'd go back to being normal and forgetting about that and not telling anyone. But that happened out in the woods or in a, in a wine cellar yeah. in a catacomb yeah, up somewhere. Up on a mountain. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere behind, away from prying eyes. But could, this is a tradition yeah. that if the PCs are an agent of the crown, maybe they got to crash that. If the PCs are an agent of the peasants, maybe they have to well, support maybe you it. just stumble into I was it. thinking. Yeah. Or maybe you're just like, walking through the woods and see some crazy witch yeah, dance like, around a pool. Exactly. I was thinking more like that where it's like, Oh, it's like Vampire Blood Day that comes <laughs> once a year, and they're all like having a blood orgy or it's, something. It's the bleed. Yeah, or like you're like walking around and like it's like the convergence where like all the undead air creatures in the area like all like are drawn to this area once a year or something like that. And there's like there's a lich and a vampire and a zombie and a and all kinds of stuff, and they're all just hanging. It's the monster. They walk into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all just like have to like come to this area like because it like calls the like all undead things and. I don't know. It's kind of like a holiday, I guess. You can bring snacks. Yeah. Another another concept Brains. is uh, the, the idea of celebration as protest. Say, yeah, fight the power. Raging's machine is going to play. <laughs> say, um, uh, Valentine's Day or some Valentine's Day. Uh, the i the the concept behind Valentine's Day uh, is that Saint Valentinus was p- imprisoned for practicing. A religion that wasn't agreed to in that locale. The gyration of the hips. And while he was imprisoned, he uh, healed the jailer's daughter. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the idea of and from that for me springs healer. up the idea of healed her but good. <laughs> so uh, the idea of celebrating <laughs> Valentine's Day could be in opposition to the crown in the local area. First or, AIDS. <laughs> or the... It's uh, a bitter memory. The uh, local constabulary, or in protest of the jailing of, of Valentine in the first place. Uh, so that kind of an idea where maybe the people of uh, Nottingham would have a f- festival where they... Fuck the king. Give money to the poorest person in the in the village. John wasn't king. He was even though that has, even though that isn't necessarily revering Robin Hood, so they wouldn't have you know King Richard come down on them. However, not King Richard. Sorry, <laughs> Prince John wouldn't have uh, Prince John come down on them. The uh, the festival itself still essentially captures the spirit of what Robin Hood was doing in protest of the king. Uh, I was watching Rob. I was watching Kingdom of Heaven earlier today, which got yeah. me in a wiki coma l- looking up the Third Crusade and Richard the Lionheart. So, so don't get these kings <laughs> wrong. Right yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm in no mood. Which one is the snake? What? This? The one that like has the weird like hypnotic eyes. <laughs> that's I had uh, no idea. What that's Ka about. from the Jungle Book. No, there's a snake in in. There is in in the cartoon. 
Robin Hood. The Disney oh, cartoon. I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was his man. I wasn't looking up. I wasn't looking at the. Uh, so anyway, that, I mean, just the, the different ideas, the different ways to use celebrations or traditions in a campaign. Uh, I feel like harbor more plot points than what we've put out here, but I, I'm not really pulling anything else out of the ether right now. You guys got anything else? Uh, ho- holidays and festivals again is a great way to change things up. Events in general, like right. adding in diseases or. Uh, 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 random secret cult type things. You could also right? make it like a reward for players where like if you do something cool in this area that's like it's a holiday for your character uh, every year. Well, yeah, but it's hard to role play through that. You can just say this holiday happens or you can, you know, if you're going to get them to play through it, some, there needs to be some sort of conflict. Or if you help, just like have, see if people like buy into it and stuff. Like there's a character who's like I hate, everybody has like a holiday that they hate right. and that they like. So it's like, I hate Halloween. I'm not doing it. And, like, <laughs> they don't want to open the door, but like the other PCs are like, I want to get candy for the kids, man. And like, so you're talking stuff. about, uh, see if you can foster some inter-party intrigue there. Yeah. That's funny. Do a thing where like, uh, something you a, you like have a, you have a fear of, uh, 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 juniper berries. You just like build so, a campaign based solely around like Christmas time is like you started at Christmas time and like re- ser- yeah. everything is like building up through Christmas time and everything like Christmas, that. Christmas we must defend the city. Right. And like something like that like happens something like that or, or something like that is gonna happen. It's called Doctor Who Christmas specials. Okay. I don't know what the hell you're talking <laughs> about. but every year. I, mean, I try to keep. Christmassy always happens. I, kinda, I try to keep you know. You should give it a. No. Um, <laughs> but you can do, like just do a campaign where it's like, oh, Christmas, like, oh, something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, something, and then just end the campaign where it's like, Merry Christmas. That's uh, you would kill everyone. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, I refuse, holidays suck. What? I, I refuse to let us go out on that note. How about taking uh, the idea of a character, uh, a stature larger than life, and turning that character and his mannerisms into the basis of a holiday? Kind of like what I was doing with the Robin Hood thing. Uh, kind of the way Santa Claus and St. Nicholas have been kind of turned into something other than what they are. Like a Guy Fox day? Maybe, yeah, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe. Here comes the Cassando. <laughs> maybe there's this holiday, uh, that is centered around this great holy warrior, uh, from a, from a generation past. Snoopy? Sure. <laughs> and, uh, oh God. And at some point, the PCs get to actually meet this character, maybe through a vision or in some he's other like way. like some demigod walking around. Except maybe he's a douchebag. Or you or, can do, you can do like a miracle on 31st Street thing where he's like, I am Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. nobody believes him, but he's yeah. totally, uh, that's it's cool. Totally I watched miracle on 31st Street yesterday. So <laughs> I almost wanted our holiday episode to try to be about Santa magic. Like, Santa magic? Yeah. Not about the tradition, but just about like all the tropes of I, Santa I magic. I thought about doing like stat out Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, we should have done that. <laughs> I thought about it. All like right. With some... that, I'm going to go ahead and call this one. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. Now nah, I'm Lucy. I'm still Brian. And remember, support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. And support the Silver Shields. I was watching a lot of Peanuts Christmas specials and stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, that shit's I, I thought up you too. meant Planters commercials. No, Can we just talk about cartoons tonight? It's super fucked up because, like, how easy would it be? Because, like, they're all so introspective. Like, Charlie Brown would just be like, make it instead of him talking to himself because he does it all the time. Make it just like a monologue, yeah, like just, an inner monologue, and yeah. it turn into like Taxi Driver. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be hard. One of these days. I'm going to kick that fucking football. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not, he's not, it's like his, in his head. Yeah. I think that's a robot chicken episode already. It's like, I'm getting really tired of this town. <laughs> I'm going to skip town, see if anybody <laughs> even notices if I leave. I like the Snoopy-centric ones more because like, their explanation for it was, their explanation was that he was just a, like a hyper-intelligent dog. Who? Snoopy. Like, that's all that it was. Snoopy's like an asshole too, isn't he? He's actually he? got like an origin. In, like, yeah, in Snoopy's the a dick. Show. Isn't Snoopy like an asshole? Sno- no, Snoopy's like a, really. a pompous dick. Yeah. He's... he's like, Super he's hyper intelligent. He's Snoopy centric. Yeah, he came from like a hyper, like super smart brood of puppies. There, does Snoopy have brethren? He has a cousin yeah. Spike. Yeah, he's got like oh, really. He's got like it's, it's six brothers Spike? and sisters. Are they, are they smart? He has a cousin yeah, Spike that has like a dirty Sanchez mustache. Yeah. They're all smart and they all play instruments. What? They're, they're like a bluegrass band. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what the f- Snoopy's family reunion. <laughs>
And Snoopy's family. Why would you listen to or watch that shit? Like, it was made like the fucking twenties. Like, who gives a shit? Woodstock is a fucking dumb character, and like, yeah, Woodstock's dumb. I did like it when he became like the Red Baron or whatever, and he would like shoot people. I don't know. It's funny to just be like, these kids are fucked up. They are. They're all so fucking depressing. Yeah. All right, Mac, your 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 charge is to go on WebMD and diagnose. All <laughs> yeah, of the like in. Uh, okay. Well, it's that. pretty easy because, like, <laughs> like clearly Charlie Brown uh, has leukemia. And he's like manic depressive. <laughs> Lucy's got like Asperger's. Well, he's probably, he's probably, <laughs> yeah, Lucy definitely has Asperger's. <laughs> and, and what's his name? Schroeder. He's got. He's no. He's got. Uh, Schroeder he's a seems s- like he would be savant. like. Schroeder's no, like he's a, a musical savant. Yeah. But all, Schroeder seems like all the like adults just have autistic. Down syndrome. Yeah. Shorter seems uh, like he would be like. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> so all these kids are fucked up because the whole generation of a whole generation in this town. <laughs> that town was an experiment. I'm sorry, Miss Jones. It was an experiment. Uh, uh, in the 60s. Uh, uh, they all somehow it's like the village. To understand what yeah, they're saying. Like, <laughs> good lord! I'm going to hell. Uh, Pe- peppermint patty, lesbian, right? Yeah. Peppermint patty and like, what's her name? Like diagnosed terroristy. Why the last man style? Pe- I'm gonna destroy the World Trade Center when I grow up. All right. Well, maybe Snoopy did that as he flew the little right. dog that, plane that's into the one. it. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah. There's a terrible episode yeah. for you. It's like Snoopy with a turban on. Yeah. Imagine he's flying into the World Trade Center. Oh God! Snoopy and all his siblings. Oh. And then it's just Snoopy getting waterboarded. <laughs> his siblings get yeah. taken by the CIA. <laughs> Zero bark thirty. <laughs> <laughs> that ends that segment. The Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore GM. Thanks for listening. The interstitial music for this episode is a version of The Little Drummer Boy by The Pentatonics. Be sure to check the show notes for more information on these guys. If you haven't heard from them, you really need to dig in and take a look. And uh, so here's The Little Drummer Boy, performed by Pentatonics. Enjoy.